Hi dear listener, Sadaham speaking. Welcome to Learning Day, a journey to explore how we integrate learning in our everyday lives. And this is season two, the grand finale, dedicated to celebrating what we've created together so far in 2021. Hello everyone, we did it. We got to the end of the second season of Learning Day. And today I am talking to you who is listening at home or in your walk, run, whatever. But I'm also talking to a room full of people. I'm not recording this intro alone today. I'm in a virtual room with the 10 guests from this season and the folks who are just as curious as I am to know what has evolved in their lives, thinking and learning since I last spoke to them on the podcast. Learning Day has been an exploration, a learning experiment, and today's episode is no different. We are going to interview the 10 guests from this season all at the same time and live. I have no idea how this is going to work, but I'm sure we're going to learn something along the way. Are we ready to play and learn? If yes, this episode is for you. So here's the plan. I'm going to kick off the interview with a question to each guest. I have a box here with their names. I'm going to take one name from the box at a time to decide the order. And after that, anyone in the room will have the chance to ask questions. That's it. So first name is Natalie Claire. We're starting with you. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thank you. <laughs> so my question to you today is when we talked, uh, you told me that your word for 2020 was courage. And now I'm wondering what was the word you chose for 2021 and why? So I chose three words this year. Those three are thrive, trust and rest. In all those three, I wanted to really be practical. I wanted to embody them. Interestingly enough, as the year has gone, courage still comes up. I, I realize that for every stage or every change in life, you need the courage to still carry on. So that has definitely continually played a part in everyday life. And it takes courage to rest as well sometimes. So definitely something you need every day. Thank you. So next paper, and we have Katie. Where are you, Katie? You're there. I can see you on the screen now. So Katie, my question to you is, you've told me that learning is somehow tolerating being bad at something. So I'm wondering, what have you been tolerating being bad at lately? Hmm. The first place my mind goes to is just sort of a bit of like the chaos of everyday life. <laughs> so in, in addition to, you know, the pandemic sort of upending everyone's lives, in the time since our interview, my mom was diagnosed unexpectedly with a late stage cancer. So my honest answer to your question is recently, I've just had to let go of control, let go of perfection, let go of even practicing, which is what we talked about in our interview, the importance of daily practice. You know, I was all about it during the pandemic, like, oh, I'm doing my daily sketchbook practice. But now, you know, with the situation with my mom, we've moved to New York City to be closer to her and our lives are really going through a lot of unexpected changes. So what's come with that is being bad at staying organized, being bad at keeping a routine, being bad at practicing all the things that I think that I'm going to be so good at practicing. So yeah, I'm tolerating being bad at all of that for the time being. Thank you for sharing that, Katie. And I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Next one, we have Anna. You're there. I can see you. Hello. Hello. Let me find your question. So our conversation was one of the first that I recorded. So I recorded our chat in okay. February. I don't know if you remember that. It was a while back. Yeah. So six months have gone by. And back then we talked about starting a relationship during a pandemic, right? And now I'm yeah. wondering, since then, what have you learned about maintaining a relationship past the honeymoon phase asking for a friend <laughs> okay well then <laughs> i think that i i remain close to what i've previously shared in our talk 
I believe that communication and being present is the, are the most important parts of the, the process <laughs> of maintaining a relationship. What I also add is some patience because we are still living not that normal life because me and my boyfriend are still in remote work. And that's a bit hard to maintain all the normal relationship life and job life and COVID pandemic thing going on. Mm. <laughs> so patience is a, a nice add to, to what I have already shared, but I believe that presence, patience and communications are the, the main things to, to keep going and to keep focus on. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. I'll make sure my friend knows about all of that. Your great advice. <laughs> great. So next one. Patricia, are you there? I'm here. Patricia, I'm wondering, how's your Japanese these days? And how's the business these days? <laughs> well, Japanese is in a standby mode at the moment. <laughs> it's doing a retreat. <laughs> okay. No, I had to stop the Japanese classes in um, May. Uh, the business is going well. I'm quite happy with uh, how the business is picking up. Of course, it's not the same as the usual that you we knew. The tourists are different. The people that arrive to the restaurants are different, but it's good business and I'm happy with uh, what I'm having. The struggle is the same, always to find people to do the jobs, but we're managing, we're managing. Great. So you, you've accomplished your goal of not being on the list of the businesses that went under. That is true. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. So next one, we have Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hey, Sarah. So when we last had a conversation, you talked about how it was okay to feel all kinds of emotions, the good and the bad ones. And I was wondering if you could choose one or two emotions to characterize your experience since we last spoke. Hmm. There's definitely joy. So I'm in the transition of new beginnings, literally has in on my journey to motherhood. Hmm. There was a lot of endings. So as grief cycle, which is a very natural cycle, I've realized the identity of work and resigning, choosing that. So there was definitely grief there, but with grief, there was also joy and compassion, actually, for myself to be gentle and also really reflective of remembering the things I want for my new beginnings. So actually, as we, I think when the podcast went live, my nan actually passed away. Mm. So it was a third bereavement process. But the difference was I can really be there and really be present, which meant that I felt all the gifts and qualities that she had that I wanted to embrace in my everyday. So there's a lot of compassion there. And I see that I'm standing in a bit of a different place since a lot of changes, a lot of unknowns, but yeah, a lot of trust and surrendering. I feel like you were able to transmit a bit of that compassion. At least I'm, I'm feeling that. So thank you. And congratulations you. for that new begin. Thank you. Wonderful. Another one. So hello, Cara. Hi. <laughs> When we talked for the podcasts, we talked about learning in the open mm -hmm. and breaking codes of silence. So two things that are quite uncomfortable. I would like to know what have you learned about dealing with discomfort since our podcast was released? I felt quite uncomfortable telling people that I had done a podcast. I was really conscious of kind of talking about it and talking about it too much. At one point, kind of, you know, a few friends text me and they said, oh, I'm going to listen. And I said, oh, no, no. You don't have to. I mean, I'd like you to, but you don't have to. You're not obligated. And it was just that really funny feeling because I felt really, really proud. And it was really good. And it set my mind thinking about loads of different stuff. But just that process of like publicizing myself and kind of being like, oh, look, I did a thing and I'm going to share it. And I'd like you to interact with it. it. It kind of brought up loads of discomfort. And actually, I'm still sitting in that discomfort. It's still making me, yeah, I'm feeling, I've been a bit quiet and a bit busy, but I'm also just a bit nervous because I, I put myself further out than I had before, continually in my discomfort. This is <laughs> how I roll at the moment. <laughs> 
Wonderful. And when you said uh, that you were a bit uncomfortable sharing your podcast and yeah. a lot of nods came on the screen. Oh, really? So, yes. So I, I think you weren't the only one that felt that. Self-publicity is hard. I really accept that we, you know, we need it. It's a powerful thing to be able to do. It's a wonderful thing to be able to share. There can be kind of professional motives behind it as well, but it's hard. Yes. So well yeah. done, all of you, for doing it, <laughs> for being on the podcast. Great. So four more to go. And the next one is Philippa. Hello. Hello. Now that I was getting relaxed. <laughs> that's that's why I do the the papers uh, because you never know when it's coming and you're not anticipating it. Yeah. Wonderful. So, Philippa, we talked about how knowing yourself is so important for caregiving. So I'm wondering what have you learned about yourself recently that helps you take better care of yourself. For me, this will be is still and will be always. I think a continuous journey of learning because I'm really good. If, of taking care of everyone else and not me. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to find the ways and learning how to do it. So I would say I'm inspired by something someone else has said about uh, failing and then anyway going forward. Mm -hmm. And so for me, a way to care for myself would be to not try to be uh, perfect when I'm still learning. And so failing and accepting that it's perfect perfectly okay and perfectly normal. So I'm learning to fail and feel comfortable with that and that discomfort. You've also said on the podcast that you were never taught how to fail. And yeah. so it seems like you're slowly learning it by yourself. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Philippa. Cool. So next one. And now the three last are like, am I, am I next? Am I next? Am I next? So the next one is Rashmi. Hello, Rashmi. Hey. Hey. So Rashmi, we talked about shedding layers and particularly layers of identity. And that came in the context of making big changes in your life. So I'm still curious to know what other layers have you been shedding since we last spoke? I think it's more related to a bit of what Kara was saying in terms of the visibility. Mm. And I think that's something that I have been, you know, kind of almost marinating myself, I guess, in the last three, four months, because it's, uh, it's really getting comfortable getting visible as just me and that is that has definitely been the hardest layer to shed because you know having a title before my name or the number of degrees after my name was so comfortable as you know, just like a nice cloak like oh look at me you know I'm head of so and so and uh, that kind of thing and then hey I'm a coach now and that's my identity has been the most difficult layer to embrace as well and shedding all the other identity layers I would say so it almost feels a bit like buying a totally new wardrobe if you can imagine mm -hmm. that with colors which are not you're not used to but suddenly feel pretty nice and fits which you're not used to and suddenly you feel comfortable and you're like oh wait a minute why didn't I do it before or what was I avoiding you know so I think I, I'm kind of in that process of literally seeing how that fit is for me and how, how does it fit and does it really I mean because it's not how how much do I accept what the culture says is is good in terms of the visibility layer and how much of it is not good mm -hmm. <laughs> or rather not good for me yeah so I guess that's what I'm kind of still embracing and shedding those kind of layers deciding which layers to even keep even Enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't need yeah. to shed everything, right? So yes. Making yeah. that triage yeah. can be yeah. hard as well. Yeah. Great. It's good to know that you're feeling more comfortable. Cool. So next we have Laura. Hello. Hello, Rosanna. Laura, we talked about dancing with uncertainty. And I'm curious to know what's the rhythm of the dance these days? Oh, the rhythm. Oh, what a fantastic question. Hmm. I think it's like a bit of a tango, mm. so a combination of intensity, but that is not defined by the speed. So it's more felt. It's like intense in quality and, and very rich and very connected actually to another. When I was listening to my podcast before joining today, I realized that it was very, I was speaking from a place of isolation. So like really relating to my process and my experience. And now I feel like I'm way more connected to others and my process cannot be divided from, from the outside and like from other people actually dancing with me. And I think that is a big shift in this book. It takes two to tango, right? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Lara. So surprise, surprise, who's next? It's Polly. Hello, Polly. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. 
Good. Yes. A bit nervous. <laughs> Everyone's doing really well. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yes, we're doing well together. <laughs> so, Polly, we talked about taking action and particularly coming together as a collective and how small bits of this collective can turn into a big action. And so I'd like to ask you, what ripple effects from small actions have you seen happening late lately? So I suppose kind of the first thing that comes to mind is is what we discussed in, in the podcast, which was me writing about changing banks so shifting to a bank which invests in renewables and sustainable businesses and doesn't invest in fossil fuels and how that's such an easy action for all of us to take some kind of action around climate change and that can be your pension or your savings account or whatever and I wrote about it and I put it out in the world it's the first time I've ever put anything like that out in the world and to what Cara was talking about I put it out and I felt this huge like vulnerability hangover I don't know who coined that term but it's a great term because I felt so flat afterwards and oh what are people going to think and it had an amazing response and I had my friends and family and people I didn't know coming back and saying oh I never even thought about this as a way to take action and and wow how easy and powerful and thank you it was like a friend of a friend's mum who got in touch and said I just changed my bank because of reading your article and I've told other people about it and I think they're going to do the same and I was like wow gosh I just doing that thing had this kind of a ripple effect and so that I think stayed with me but also I kind of I've definitely seen friends recently be a bit more confident and be a bit more visible and see that affect other people around them and inspire other people around them. And I think once you're aware of it, you really, really notice it. Yeah. And I think there's so much going on in the world and it's so easy to feel massively overwhelmed by what's happening in, in the world at the moment. And I have been feeling it. I think we've all been feeling it. I heard a really great phrase the other day. I'm not taking credit for it. This is not, not my phrase. And it was to grieve globally, but to act locally. And that for me is a really helpful framing because there are so many brilliant things that people are doing locally, which are changing their towns, changing their communities and having this kind of ripple effect of positive action. And, and we can all do that and we can take small acts and that might lead to bigger things. And, and just, I think, remembering that and not putting the pressure on ourselves to, you know, it's okay if we can't engage with all these huge, huge things happening in the world. There are yeah. things we can do at a local level. So, yeah, I think those, those that my sort of takeaways from my experience of putting something out in the world and, and what's been happening at the moment. Great. I can say that one friend has also done extensive research for Portuguese banks after listening to your podcast. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not very easy to have that kind of information here in Portugal, mm -hmm. but he tried. And so that was another ripple effect for Great. our oh. conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's lovely to know. Wonderful. So now it's open. I would like to invite anyone watching to participate. So feel free to unmute and ask a question or to write it on the chat. And if any of the guests would like to ask a question, that's also fine. Sarah, I have a question for you. So I wanted to know what was your main experience and what was your biggest learning process during this um, podcast round that you did this year? I think those two things that was the biggest what was more evident in everything I've done with Learning Day during this year, not just the podcast, but also the weekly reflection sessions, everything. The first one is we're all very similar. We live in different countries. We uh, have different colors. We have different experiences. We have different jobs, but we're all very similar. We're going through very similar experiences, even if they are very different as well. The second one is that I feel like we're all waiting for permission for something. I don't know what it is, but we're all waiting for someone to tell us that it's okay to be ourselves, to publish that post, to not know, to feel negative emotions, to shed layers, to go on a dating app, to so many things. It feels like we are like waiting, like, like kind of in a rocking chair. And because everything is so different in the world lately, it feels like that gave us the permission to like, oh, maybe I'll just try it. And we're kind of like seeping our toes. And I'm glad we are because it, it seems like we're taking that permission or giving ourselves that permission. Thank you for that question. So what other questions do we have? We did have a couple of questions in the chat. This one's for you, Sarah, oh. <laughs> actually. What have you learned or discovered as a result of starting the podcast? So apart from what I've just shared, specifically this year, more 
broadly about the podcast, that's not that difficult. It's about starting and doing it. And I'm, I feel that in a lot of things lately, even with work-related stuff, few of you here know me better than others, but I always struggle a bit with feeling anxious and feeling like I can't do it and not good enough. And I think the podcast and everything else that I do around learning day has showed me that if you start it, you'll do it. That's the biggest barrier. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I've learned with starting the podcast. So it's nothing related. Well, it is related to learning because it's the same thing. Like if you want to learn something new, just do it. Uh, start, even if it was very small and go through the discomfort of not being great at it. Thank you for that question. So now I see the questions, the document with the questions. I had my script on top of it. That's why I wasn't seeing it. So thank you, Maria, for <laughs> calling my attention to it. So a question for Anna. So Anna, get ready. What was the most difficult thing in the relationship? When did things seem to not be going all right because of the pandemic? And name the most wonderful thing in your relationship. I would like the question to be private. Okay, okay Anna, so it's private. Uh, I don't know who, private to whom. <laughs> Let us know who you are, so you can write a message directly to, to Anna, if you want. But thank you for asking the question anyway. So now we know, someone wants to know that. <laughs> so wonderful, I was not expecting this. Great. So a question for Natalie Claire. Get ready. What has helped you thrive? And what has the trust word involved for you this year? One thing that's helped me thrive is it's connected to trust, actually. It's, it's more about self-trust. And it's interesting what you were saying, Sarah, about waiting for permission. And so I was giving myself permission to trust myself in my decisions, to trust myself in learning lessons, even when I've failed at something that helped me thrive in terms of, okay, I've learned something, if I failed at it, it's okay, I can move on. And I trust myself to get back on the right path I want to get onto. I think there's been a lot of changing my mind for me personally this year. So even when I've changed my mind, I've trusted myself to say, okay, the first time I made this decision, it wasn't quite right. But the second time, I'm okay with that learning process of learning what I learned by not really trusting myself the first time to make one decision and then taking it forward and changing my mind, and that's okay. And just trusting myself to make it happen how I want it to be. So I've made a few different decisions and I'm quite excited now. I'm, I'm feeling really comfortable that I've been in a, a learning process. I'm just learning what I'm like, what decisions I make and how I make those decisions. I've been reviewing a lot of decisions. I think that's helped me thrive, just learning more about myself through the whole process. Mm. I'm getting to a phase where I'm okay being multiple things mm. in terms of career, in terms of entrepreneurship, family, and just being okay with being different things to different people and not being everything to everyone. Mm. That's been a big lesson. Yes, yeah. this idea of being more than one thing at once really resonates this this focus on consistency it's so there's so much pressure uh, i think mm -hmm. we talked about it as well laura we talked about it and yeah thank you thank you cool so this is the question slash a comment so it's open if anyone feels inspired answer please do there's been a lot of inspiring talk about change and embracing new journeys and a lot of times a certain level of discomfort involved what are some of the strategies you use to push through and not let those feelings of discomfort hold you back? I think there is always discomfort in everything and in every path. When you are doing a job that you don't feel that you are doing your best or you are just there because of salary and because of position or recognition, you also have a lot of discomfort. You are not doing the things that make you happy or you are not with the people that make you happy, or even you are doing something that even you don't like at all, uh, or you don't feel comfortable at all. So there is always discomfort. I remember when I changed my career and when I started this entrepreneurship that I have now, of course, there were so many moments that you want to just quit and go back to what you knew. But there is so much joy in discovering new stuff and so much pleasure and pride in this little conquers that you made when you are doing the discomfort path. So the strategy that I always used 
It's to find people that have shared visions or are doing the similar paths because then we can help and we recognize the same problems. And even if you are not with people that are doing the same path, people that respect your path and want you to drive to that path. My journey of entrepreneurship was also when I met Rashmi, also one of the guests here. And she was a huge, huge help for me. And she still is, you know, like... And uh, because she didn't know me from anywhere and there was a lot of other people that I met in that time that they didn't expect nothing for me, you know, like, so whatever they were discovering was what I also was discovering on myself. So that gave me also a lot of support. The discomfort is with the people sometimes that already knew you in the previous life because That is the discomfort. People are trying to put you again in a box or trying to recognize who you are. And you also don't know who you are because you are creating a new you. So it's discomfortable, but it's also, I think it's the only way of doing it. <laughs> you have to go through there. There is no growth in comfortable things. Thank you, Patricia. And yes, it was Rashmi who signed you up for this. Of course, you had to accept, but yeah, there's this connection here as well. I keep telling myself there's there is wisdom and discomfort. So you kind of pause and say, okay, this discomfort, like, why am I feeling this discomfort? And most of the time, I mean, sometimes, of course, it protects us. We are human. So we tend to do something really, which is not going to serve us, which might harm us, of course. But almost all of the time, it's because, uh, like what Patricia was saying, you know, it's something which you have not done before, or you've done it in a different way. Whereas what Polly said about vulnerability hangover, which will probably potentially expose you to vulnerability, to questioning of your motives, why are you doing this, all of these kind of questions. So for me, it's like, if it's discomfort, then you're potentially doing something which you actually want to do, but you're hesitating for whatever reason. And they're all seemingly valid reasons. But if you can actually just say, okay, I understand that something is trying to protect me here, but I'm just going to anyway go past that and do it, then the strength of the discomfort comes down and it kind of replaces it to something else. For example, for me, it was originally, oh, I can't do Instagram TV. What will I do? Like I have not done my eyebrows, I've not cut my hair, you know, these kind of things. Once you do it, you're like, oh, okay, there's nothing much. Then it was something else. It was like, oh, talking in public uh, about what I'm doing. Then it might be about pitching for another agency to work as a coach with them or it keeps changing. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic shape shifter, like I call it. So that's why it's just kind of fun to understand that it, is, it just comes up to almost really question, do you really want it? Or are you just saying that you don't want it as well? So sometimes that helps me to overcome it. Yeah, being aware that it has a role, but then you can decide what that role is. Thank you, Rashmi. I would say for me, it's a probably a fairly recent realization that all of those times that I have challenged myself or gone outside my comfort zone or or said something that I really regretted. And, you know, with that moment when you cringe later on, you're like actually stop in your tracks and you're like, oh, actually, when I ever not grown from that or not learned something in that? And I can't really think of many examples where I've really messed something up, but I haven't really learned from it and been able to kind of share that and remember that and be a better person as a result. So yeah, that helps me anytime I want to sort of say yes to something challenging or, or go outside my comfort zone. Thank you, Polly. Cara, seemed like you were going to unmute. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I mean, interestingly, I, I share a lot of sentiments that Polly's mentioned and also especially what Rashmi was saying about realizing actually that you can have learning through pain essentially I've had some difficult moments where they've been really hard but I've had an understanding that something is kind of going on during that moment as well and then to add to that one of the things that I've been thinking about most is I guess I've been kind of reflecting back on I don't know slightly more kind of esoteric things reflecting on you know just what living is and what being alive is and I've come to the conclusion recently that just sometimes things aren't easy and sometimes things are really difficult. Sometimes I'm really uncomfortable. My motivation isn't what I'd like it to be. Sometimes just stuff doesn't flow as well. And one of the things that I've really challenged myself to do this year is just to sit with it as I'm finding things difficult, as I'm finding things uncomfortable, just a case of acknowledging it and just trying to stay in that place rather than feeling like I had to kind of shift it away. I spent years trying to kind of, you know, push everything to one side and box it up neatly. And actually, I just have some points where things just aren't as easy. I feel, yeah, uncomfy. 
And I just kind of sit with it knowing that it will come to an end because we experience things in a cyclical nature for the most part. And there's some release in that, I think. That it's temporary. Yeah, it's all temporary. You know, the good bits and the bad. Thank you, Carl. Question for Natalie Clare. You talked about rethinking decision making. And for someone who is struggling to make decisions, do you have any tips? Mm. Yes, I can share how I make decisions. Try not to be rash in them. I always try to look back at my values and think about my goals in life and how that aligns. When I'm trying to look at two things, I kind of look at my values to start off with and then also look at my goals of where I am in life. And if what I'm trying to decide is in line with those two things, then it's usually a safe bet. Even if it's a risk, if it's in line with my values, that's what I'm more likely to go for. One thing I really like looking at is reviewing my goals. So I started this practice about two years ago where every few months I will just sit down and write some decisions I've made. And then I put a date. So three months later, I review that decision and see what happened. So in this practice, I've been able to see what decisions are made, what results I thought I was going to get, but what was the real result. And for the most part, the biggest lesson I've learned is everything takes longer. <laughs> so when I thought I would get a result in three months, it actually took four or six. And I also learned more about trusting myself. So I can see the decisions that I clearly stuck to my values. I stuck to what my goals are and I trusted myself. That ended up well. And then decisions where I was not clear or I was kind of just trying it out just because even if it was against something that I would usually do, it ended up just being a lesson learned. So this has been two ways. At first, I always look at my values. And then secondly, I've been able to review how I've made decisions in the past and just kind of take the lessons from that and put it to a new decision I'm trying to make. I think that's linked to something that I've talked with Rashmi, which is collecting this evidence of how it went well in the past or didn't, but using the past as a guide as well. Cool. So now, actually, there's a plot twist. The person who asked the question to Anna actually doesn't mind if the answer is answered publicly. The person doesn't want to be uh, named, but they don't mind if you answer publicly, Anna. So. The question is, what was the most difficult thing in the relationship when it seemed like things were not going all right because of the pandemic and name the most wonderful thing about your relationship? Okay, so I think that the hardest part was actually the lockdowns and to go through being apart for that long because last year when we met and we started a relationship, it was a bit different because it was the beginning of the pandemic. It was the beginning of the relationship. So when this year we got another lockdown here in Portugal, it was really hard to, to overcome and to deal with the day-to-day -day life without being able to see each other even on weekends because we don't live nearby. So we couldn't go from my home to his home. And that was the hardest part. But I believe that with those three <laughs> key... <laughs> Keywords that I've shared before, everything was manageable and with patience and communication and with some creativity to be present without being really face to face. I think we managed to do it. And I believe that the most wonderful thing is to have someone that you love and that loves you. It's, it's cheesy, but it's true. <laughs> so I believe that's it. It's it's to be able to have someone that is your safe place and that you feel secure there and that you feel loved and it's it's wonderful it's wonderful <laughs> i agree with you that's that's very wonderful to to feel that safe place and not feel as alone at least that's that's my experience yeah. because i've also started a relationship very recently during these times and it is very wonderful to have that someone to hold and to and to hug it's great cool so part. Sorry. yes like hearts going um anyway let's go back to the questions there's a question here about how do you deal with the fear of failure and actual failure i think that failure is a, it's an essential part of success because the, the fear of failure is similar to the fear of success it's like all the guests were talking everyone felt quite vulnerable 
and quite uncomfortable when they show the podcast. You, you also, Sarah, you speak about that fear of speaking and coming out and yes. have a podcast. But failure is part of the trial and the error process of the success. Like I fail every day, you know, <laughs> I fail to meet expectations of my guests. They are not always happy, you know, like, and you are always doing, or at least thinking that you are doing your best and you arrive in the end of the day and I don't know, 50% or 30% of your day was failure and the rest was success. And sometimes it's nothing. <laughs> the problem is the definition of the word, you know, like everyone expects that the, the word failure is something that is bad. It's just a trial that was not met as we plan. So as the other guests were talking, is redefining goals. When you fail, you redefine the goals for the next day, for the next hour, for the next project. And when you take out all the negative charge of uh, the failure, you understand that failure can be your strength also because you know how to fail and how to go back, to start again and do it again. I think that fear is a constant feeling that we have in our everyday life. It's in our social relationship, it's in our projects is in us coming out or talking about our projects and ourselves so allowing that failure to be a positive thing and not negative as people taught us thank you <laughs> Laura you wanted to add something yes I was resonating with what Patricia was saying and I think the answer for me is like exactly reframing what is a failure and is it a possibility for us to learn more and equally like what is success is it to reach our goal without any hustles just instantly know without any process is that what success looks like because I think that is what we have often heard right like success is just achieving the goal with a linear path and like just getting there and what I'm hearing actually from everyone here is that the beauty is in the messiness of pivoting and like trying and giving up control and and just yeah exposing yourself too and I feel like if that is failing give me more of that like that's actually learning thank you Lara keep dancing with it Rachel yeah I resonate a lot with Laura mentioning about reframing and the other one that comes to mind is your relationship to it and what you make that mean first because culturally for me that failure is so significant and that fear that anything else it's it's like a real wrongness to it and a punishment related to it And that's my association. So knowing that and having awareness to that, it's like, actually, what do I want my relationship to failure to mean if it's part of your learning and part of your growth? And then that allows the reframing to actually happen. And fear has to exist. That's like a given and a norm, but it doesn't exist in a silo. It's not like a binary, like there's fear or there's like the love side. It's kind of sometimes a mixture of a combination and that's absolutely okay it's part of like a human experience and again acknowledging that it's like you're not alone feeling that way of that fear and that you can start to trust with the many actions you can take then that empowers you to shift that relationship and that's a continuous learning itself to shift and reframe to really believe that so there's something about reframing where conceptually you understand it But then to experience it yourself, you're like, ah, oh, got that evidence now that it's a past experience for me. And then I can move forward and try it again when I need it to in a different event or a situation or another circumstance. So we get given opportunities to fail because it's part of our learning. And if we can trust that more, then that cycle becomes more natural. And then that relationship becomes more natural too. Thank you, Rachel. Rashmi. I think there is something to be said about is about my experience in the last 18 months is spent so much time thinking failure and success as a binary while actually it is the messy gray which is the most important in life I think because we think of like such a either oh I'll fail and it's like a disastrous attempt a disaster or I'll succeed like magnificently sometimes we have this thing of what does success look like what does failure look like But actually, many times it's quite like there's a big deflation happens when, when you know, you, you kind of do something and then nothing happens really. In a sense that, you know, it's not a success, not a failure. It's just an experience. 
So I think that is something which I'm coming to terms with a lot more about, especially when I'm building a business right now. It's so much about actually just putting yourself out there, just learning rather than giving meaning to it. That is another way of looking at learning, I would say. You just think, I'm going to try this thing and I'll see what I learn. So just taking away the emotional quality of success and failure, which unfortunately the way we have been brought up has a negative and a positive connotation so when you take away the energy from that those two binaries then actually you learn a lot more because it's just an experience and so what are you learning from that and that is just not my idea it's almost like carol dweck's growth mindset idea as well like it's expansive you continuously learn you make mistakes you learn there's not a fixed pot of success and failure in your life you don't come born with a quota of success and failure, you know. So it's 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 kind of reminding ourselves of, of that. I think for me is is also important. Yeah, I like yeah. that idea of a non-existing quota. The opposite of having this scarcity mindset that if I fail here, I will I will lose an opportunity somehow. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Kara. The one thing I realized whilst we were discussing this and we were talking about this was just what Rashmi was saying. Really, actually, failure is a social construct. It's made up. It doesn't exist. I think. The desire to learn things is innate. I think frustration when you're trying to learn something. And I think disappointment. I, I have a five-year-old and I'm reflecting on watching her learn things because a certain amount of her behavior and her responses are drawn from her life. But a lot of this, actually, she's still pretty unmolded. And a lot of this is stuff that I, you know, kind of watch her go through. So I watch her try and learn something, getting things wrong, but she becomes really angry and really frustrated. So I think all of those things, actually, those are innate processes that perhaps we all go through. But uh, yes, we were saying kind of the box calling it failure, defining it as success. All of these things, it's a terminology that we've created. We've attached shame to failure. And actually, as we've all mentioned, there's a whole reworking to be done there. And I also was thinking a lot about Carol Dweck and her growth and fixed mindset. And that's something that I've been concentrating on with my daughter. So now when she gets frustrated that she can't do something, she gets very emotional and she'll be really responsive. And I've been trying to get in there and to recognize, and I'm saying to her, okay, you just didn't get it right this time. Like it's not worked for you this time, but let's practice because actually it's fine. Like you're never going to get this right the first time. Anyone who's good at anything has to practice over and over and over again. And of course, whilst I'm saying all of this to her, I'm taking it in as well. So it's been a really good learning experience for me. I have become so much better at failure since I've been trying to kind of role model it and talk to my child about it. And I'm, I'm currently studying at the moment. And I failed a module a little while ago and I had to totally rework something and it was hours worth of work. And I realized just how okay I was with that whole practice. Whereas 15 years ago, it genuinely, it would have sent me into a tailspin. It would have it would have been a mental health episode. I would have catastrophized the whole thing and I would have looked to my future and I would have seen grotesque failure everywhere. And actually this time around, I was like, oh, okay, I just have to redo something. I'm like really annoyed. I'm really frustrated. I see the mistakes. I'll just have to do it again. And that made me think of actually the difference between a growth and a fixed mindset. And it's taken me 15 years to learn that. So it's a really long and slow process, but really wonderful to see that plasticity that we all can have of just being like, okay, we'll pick it back up. We'll go again. Yeah. And I think the, the next question that I'm going to ask is related to this. Someone asks, how do you deal with the feeling of not being confident in learning something new? like thinking maybe this is too hard for me maybe this is not for me all the time at the moment i'm way out of my comfort zone a little while ago i i made a post-it note i've stuck various post-it notes all over the place actually just trying to dare myself to be a bit braver than i feel like i am and i but i also think actually there needs to come a huge load of forgiveness when we think about learning some stuff because i guess Maybe one of the things that we've been kind of all touching on so far is the idea of overcoming things and of, you know, eventually getting it right. And I think you do, for the most part, eventually get it right. But when I spoke about, you know, kind of it took me 15 years to learn how to fail, they were a really hard 15 years. And actually, the thing that I'm realizing is really important right now is out and out radical self-acceptance and as much compassion as any of us can muster. So I guess maybe when we're thinking about 
what it is to be totally out of our comfort zone, worried about failing. Actually, it's kind of just okay to get it spectacularly wrong and to maybe not get to the end result to not get what you want. And just to try and be really good to yourself in that moment as well, that it's not always about like coming out on top if you just persevere. Sometimes things just don't work very easily. Maybe you get there, maybe you don't. Maybe you sidestep. It's all okay. Thank you. Natalie Claire. Two things came to mind as I was listening to that question and it's about stepping outside of your comfort zone and I love this quote which says be comfortable being uncomfortable and that's what it's like when you're first learning something new even if it's difficult it's getting into a state of where okay this is hard I'm not sure I'm getting this but being comfortable with that feeling of uncomfortability and When I'm in a situation where I'm uncomfortable and learning something new and worried about whether I can really do this or not, I try to think of ways to to really simplify things and what's the very next step I need to take. Like I don't need to learn the whole concept, but what's the very next step I need to take that would just help me learn a little bit more and get comfortable a little bit more. I also like to do is to remember that someone else has done it before so where can I get help from? Who could I actually speak to and or just learn from, whether it's in a book or watching a video, someone else who's gone through that journey and they will have times when they struggled. They will have times when they triumphed. And what was their journey like compared to the journey I'm currently having? Another quote that I really love is success leaves clues. So I tend to think like, okay, right now I think I really won't make it right now. But if someone else has succeeded in this, what clues do they have for me at this time? So start picking those clues and trying to just take one step at a time. Thank you. Thank you. Katie? I don't really have an answer to this, but I wanted to speak up because I really identify with the person who asked the question. Patricia said something about like reinventing yourself over the course of your life and maybe needing to be around new people who will allow you to do that because people from previous stages of your life might remember a different version of you. When I was a kid and my friends from school growing up, certainly if you ask them like, what's Katie like? They would say, oh, very confident, very happy, very outgoing, very sparkly and bubbly and happy. And if any of those people could hear me now saying to you guys, like, actually, I really struggle with self-confidence. Like I doubt myself a lot and I criticize myself a lot in my own head. Like I have a strong inner critic. A lot of people from previously in my life would be like, what? That's not the Katie I know. It doesn't make sense. So I guess I'm sharing this to say there might be people that you come across in your life who appear extremely confident and appear like they know what they're doing, but inside (laughs) they could be criticizing themselves horribly or really struggling with confidence. So, and for me, it's been something that I've become aware of as I get older, when I've realized I've been sort of trained to project this outward confidence. But when I really stop and listen to what's going on in my head, there's a lot of negative talk in there. So it's not so much an answer as a very strong empathy and just pointing out that you really don't know what's going on inside somebody's head and you might be experiencing the same thoughts as someone who appears extremely successful. Thank you for sharing that, Katie. That's so much my experience as well. And I can see on the chat that a lot of people are resonating with that as well. So whoever asked that question, you're not alone. A lot of people in this room who feel the same. So we're getting to the end. Someone asked the question for everyone. And so I'm, I will ask us to answer like in a short word or sentence, name the best thing that happened during this pandemic. Let's do popcorn style. When you're ready, you go. Maria shared on the chat, time with family. Meeting the guy that I'm in love with. That's yes. the best thing. <laughs> Rashmi. To finally start experimenting with what I've always wanted to do. For me, it was that I found my voice. For me, it was finally writing a letter to David Attenborough, my hero, and getting a reply from him. Ruth shared on the chat, I took the chance to be more introspective and it is helping me grow immensely. For me, it's been slowing down. We traveled a lot before the pandemic. And once it hit, we canceled a bunch of trips and work trips, personal trips. And that was just like a real nice change of pace. 
Philippa. The quietness that I found is related to what Katie said. Someone in the audience anonymously replied, finding my place. For me, it was connecting to people I wouldn't have usually connected with through online and Zooms. Like, I think all of you, lovely guests and Sarah, in day-to-day -day wouldn't have come across each other. I'm really grateful and happy for the new connections that I've been able to have and to find during this time. Mine's also very similar. I think it's connection to myself, to nature and to others. Joe and the audience said that we can give ourselves permission not to go back to our busy lives. Amen to that. For me, it's about knowing that I don't know what's best. Just as I thought that leading a busy life was the best way of getting the most out of life before and actually now experiencing something different, I'm like, oh no, actually it feels good. My lesson is like, oh, I have no idea and I'm going to be able to be okay no matter what. Hopefully there's not another pandemic that needs to come to remember that, but like, yeah, I'm, and I'm okay. It doesn't matter. The best thing that happened for me in the pandemic was taking myself seriously and not being afraid of publishing an event, bright event saying, would you like to join me to record a podcast and see if anyone shows up or to say, would you like to reflect with me for 20 minutes every week? And people actually saying yes. And also in my personal life, taking myself seriously enough to believe that I can have good relationships and that I can set boundaries and all of those things. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being there and ending this season together. Thank you to the amazing guests. Thank you to anyone and everyone who joined today and asked wonderful questions. Um, yes, I'm, I'm just happy. I don't have many words, so I'm going to read what I've written beforehand. If you want to get in touch with this season's guests, find out how on the show notes. Learning Day, the podcast, is going on a break. We'll be back in 2022. Until then, please don't be a stranger. Go to learningday.community and reach out. There's a lot of ways you can get involved in the community. If this episode was useful to you, please consider subscribing to Learning Day on your podcast app and, as a little extra, share it with a friend. I have no idea where this is going to take us, but I know we're going to learn something along the way. Thank you for listening and see you next time. <laughs> thank you everyone huge round of applause we can't really clap on zoom it doesn't work but i will add the you know the clapping to the podcast at the end <laughs> <laughs>